I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM. Dobry večer and welcome to the Bohemian Podcast with Piet Coleman and Travis Dole. Hello from Prague and welcome to the Bohemian Podcast. I'm your host, Pete Coleman. And I'm Travis Dow of the History of Alchemy Podcast. Tonight we shift focus away from the capital city of Prague and head westward to one of Czech Republic's larger cities, Pilsen. The reason we introduce you to Pilsen this evening is not to tour the famous Pilsner Uroquil Brewery or explore the ancient underground tunnels or even to take in a football match with one of the nation's best clubs, Pilsen Victoria, but more as an opportunity to take you, our listeners, back in time. The year 1945. Of sorts. Every May 8th, the city of Pilsen plays host to the American Liberation Festival to commemorate the end of World War II. This observance of this anniversary began following the 1989 Velvet Revolution and has continued every year since 1990. The 2014 celebration had been extended from its usual three days to a full week leading to May 8th. Up until this point, the citizens of Pilsen were denied the historical truth of their American liberators thanks in large part to the Communist Party in power in Czechoslovakia. Yeah, that's right. So following the Communist power grab right after the end of World War II, the powers that be rewrote the history textbooks or just kind of neglected to educate the succeeding generations that the Americans freed them from Nazi rule before being stopped in Western Czechia as the Soviets took Prague. So Western Bohemia was actually liberated by Americans. That's That wasn't common knowledge. So the Iron Curtain was falling and Czechs were absorbed into Moscow's sphere of influence. All throughout Western Europe, it's, you know, common knowledge. There's there's memorials and, you know, plaques and statues and commemorations all over the place. But not in places like Pilsen or Western Bohemia. It was just kind of, you know, purposely forgotten. While this event has its roots in 1945, when George Patton's Third Army led the liberation of Western Czechoslovakia, the Pilsen city planners had added a modern-day focus to design and impress upon young people the meaning of the liberation and what it meant to be as future Czech citizens. We can touch on the American strategy in Western Bohemia in a few moments, but back to the modern-day celebration, we want to get the point across that this event draws thousands of people every year. 
Young World War II enthusiasts can be seen throughout the downtown area dressed in period uniforms, both Czech and American, as well as British. Many are teenagers who are trying to connect to the events of 1945 with their lives today versus the living history classroom that is experienced throughout the city. So the Liberation Festival program is divided into several parts. These are regularly repeating events such as commemoration services at World War II memorials, which now exist, and the Con- Convoy of Liberty Historical Vehicle Parade. And then the second part is composed of individual military history club projects that strive every year to offer a new and interesting approach to history linked to demonstrations of period military vehicles, arms, and activities. Several of these projects are no longer one-time events and have continued to be featured year after year. So, Travis, having the opportunity to go to see this in person it was uh, really kind of interesting. Uh, you're sitting there, and, and from one stop, uh, you'll see modern-day type of army uh, setup that you might see in Afghanistan, an Afghanistan base. Uh, you'll, you'll see that, uh, that as you tr- walk through the streets, you kind of go back in time a little bit to uh, 1945 Pilsen. Uh, you'll have British soldiers representing what they did during the war. You'll have Czechs, you'll have Americans, you'll have uh, uh, Czechs acting as Americans. So it, it is kind of a mixed sort of uh, grouping of historical reenactors. But you will also see civilians dressed in 1945 period clothing walking through the streets and uh, really kind of put you back into that frame of that this could be 1945. Yeah, so, and maybe even more importantly, that there, there are actually American veterans um, still there that show up every year, and they're basically the main event. So several have come back annually to the place where they fought hard to liberate the people of Pilsen. Uh, these soldiers of the World War II generation are passing away, so it is now a rare and special meaning to see them in Pilsen for what will, for some, be their last trip abroad. Well, you know, this is true, Travis. I know that uh, I've been lucky enough to have my, my grandparents uh, around for quite a, quite a bit, and, and paternal grandfather is... 95 and and he you know went through North Africa and through Italy and then into Germany he met the pope he met the pope uh you know he he tells these stories because it was a, a very trying time of his life but the biggest adventure he ever had uh before he went back to to an Illinois farming and i i i think that um that connection never leaves you the men that you served with never leaves you and uh it's extremely important but now more and more so rare that you're going to see uh, you know, these, these veterans that are coming back that are able to make the trip. And unfortunately, they're not going to be around much longer. So when you see these liberation uh, uh, festivals that go on in, in Western Czech Republic, you, you, you're going to see less and less of these veterans out there. And uh, so it is a very special event to see them uh, commemorated at these, at these events. Uh, you know, for instance, one former U.S. Army Lieutenant Earl Ingram had come back to Pilsen 18 times, uh, really never missing a year. When Ingram arrived in Pilsen, the shooting had stopped, and, and he had seen what he called the happiest, most grateful people in all of his life. The sense of euphoria was felt by many liberated Czech villages and towns along her western borders in 1945. American tanks and troop convoys rattled through many of the town squares and the tiny hamlet streets, Travis. And during the final weeks of World War II, the task of freeing the western portion of Czechoslovakia fell to the soldiers of the American Third Army, led by none other than General George S. Patton. American forces were ordered to halt at the Karlovy Vary Pilsen Česka Budjovice line. So... Altogether, the Third Army liberated some 3,485 square miles of western Czechoslovakia. Rather than continue east into Czechoslovakia, the Supreme Allied Commander General Dwight D. Eisenhower shifted Third Army's advance to the southeast 
to prevent the formation of a rumored Nazi last stand in a region of the Alps known as the National Redoubt. Parallel to the Czechoslovak border to protect and screen the ever-lengthening left flank of the Third Army. And Travis, that, that's not really a big stretch. We saw this in the Battle of the Bulge that we thought that the, 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 uh, the Allies had the, had the uh, Nazi regime on, on their heels and they did a, a, a last gasp push which is why we called it the Battle of the Bulge. So this was something that they thought that maybe they had a little bit more energy to see if they could actually do another push here in the, in the Czechoslovakia region. So while the 3rd Army's main effort was directed to the southeast, the 2nd Cavalry Group and the 90th and 97th Infantry Divisions each conducted some limited operations to the east along the border. The 2nd Cavalry Group, for instance, overcame stiff German resistance while capturing the town of Osh. On the 23rd of April, the 90th Infantry Division liberated Fossenberg Concentration Camp just west of the border. There they discovered the horrible Nazi atrocities and emaciated inmates who had been left there to die. Two days earlier, the city of Heb was liberated by the 97th Infantry Division after intense fighting. Travis, you can see that this probably left an indelible mark on the the American veterans. They actually saw what they were fighting for when they liberated these concentration camps. Several days later, the 42nd Squadron of, of the 2nd Cavalry Group launched two successful rescue operations. The first one rescued several hundred Allied prisoners of war from a camp several miles behind German lines. The other involved the famed Lipizzana horses of Vienna's Spanish Riding School. An amazing story in this. And you would think, well, that, that doesn't seem as an important situation. But I want you to think about this for a second because... Uh, the, the Nazis at the time knew that things were going south for them, and it was just a matter of time before the Allies rolled into Vienna as well, uh, along the, the Czechoslovak border. And they had orders to kill the horses. Now, these are famed historical horses that have been bred for centuries, from the time of uh, Empress Maria Theresa of the, of the Habsburgs. And so this was something that became a, uh, an important deal. And so accompanied by a German army veterinarian, Captain Thomas Stewart, snuck through the German lines to the stables in which the horses were kept and successfully negotiated for their surrender. Then the force of the 42nd Squadron fought through German lines, occupied the stables, and rescued the horses. It's kind of like Monuments Men, but it, for Yeah, horses. like the movie Monuments Men that yeah. came out in 2014. Um, it, it is interesting. These horses are amazing. I've, I've seen these horses in Vienna, and uh, there is a long, long tradition. The tradition probably would have, have gone gone the way of extinction if it wasn't for the, uh, the rescue of these horses by Allied forces. Just kind of a, a neat sidebar story to this liberation. As April came to a close, the end of the German army appeared to be only days away. Units of the 1st U.S. Army began shifting south to help protect 3rd Army's left flank, which was becoming longer and longer every day, like we, like we mentioned. Now, the 97th Infantry Division was transferred to the 1st Army, and the 1st Infantry Division assumed responsibility for covering their left flank. The 5th Corps headquarters moved south from Leipzig to assume command of the 1st Army units on the Czechoslovak border. Additional 3rd Army units were moving into position along the border as well, and that last stand of the Nazis never really materialized. 3rd and 7th Armies occupied the National Redoubt and definitively proved that it was a myth created by German propaganda. Now, Patton was anxious to continue advancing eastward. This is what really bothered him, the fact that he, got, he had uh, regulations that came from the top. It came from Eisenhower, actually it came from Marshall, it came then down to Eisenhower and then Omar Bradley. Um, and to say, you need to stop where you are, you can't go any further east to liberate the city of Prague. 
Repeatedly, Patton sought permission from the 12th U.S. Army Commander General Omar Bradley uh, and from the aforementioned Eisenhower to advance a little further past this line. He was denied both times by both people, and uh, they, they, were, they were somewhat unsympathetic to his requests, but the liberation of the Czechoslovakia was a lower priority due to the many other things that the, the Supreme Allied Command had to worry about at this time. In his memoirs, Omar Bradley wrote about Patton's enthusiasm uh, for Czechoslovakia. And Travis, maybe you can read that for us. Yeah, because his reasons for liberating Prague aren't maybe what you think. It's, yeah, not, yeah. it's not pure good, in, you know, pure intentions and virtue. But probably very truthful in a lot of ways when it comes down to the average GI dude. Yeah, so, so Bradley's journal noted that this, so why, I asked Patton, why does everyone in Third Army want to liberate the Czechs? George grinned, on to Czechoslovakia, he whooped, and fraternization. How in hell can you stop an army with a battle cry like that? Now, if you met a Czech woman, <laughs> I'll just say that they're absolutely beautiful. And I don't think that's probably changed in the last 70 years. So if you can imagine these war-weary GIs are, are trying to march their way, and they've been, they've been just rattled by Patton, just trying to, to, to move from one part of Europe to the other. And he's saying, you know what, we, we want to, we, we're being welcomed as basically conquering heroes here. Uh, that's why I want to go any further to Czechoslovakia. Uh, so it's a little tongue-in-cheek sort of humor from uh, the very famous uh, George Patton. But really, at his heart, he knew what was at stake here. He knew that if he didn't make it to Prague before the, before the communists did, before the Russians did, that they may not get Prague back. And he, unfor- unfortunately for many people, it was right. So unfortunately for Patton, Eisenhower was wrestling with several major issues of greater importance. Eisenhower wanted the war over as quickly as possible so that he could implement plans to redeploy his American units to the Pacific Theater to invade Japan. So he was also successfully resisted intense pressure, not only from the British Prime Minister Winston Churchill, but from some of his own officers who all wanted to move forward and capture Berlin. So Travis, you're right. Berlin was considered to be the holy grail uh, for the Allied forces as well for the Soviets who would get there first. But Eisenhower had so much more on his mind. And, and that was also including the, the, the engaging and prodding of, of British Field Marshal Montgomery to seize Lübeck on the Baltic Sea coast instead of Berlin uh, in order to prevent the Soviets from getting into Denmark. So Denmark was still in, a, in play, and Eisenhower had a lot more on yeah. his plate. So concerning himself with Czechoslovakia and, and freeing and liberating uh, Prague was so much lower on that list. Yeah, and finally Eisenhower had to make arrangement with the Soviets to effect a link-up of their respective armies that would not cause recognition problems and casualties. So in the center, the Elba River was chosen as a demarcation line, but the matter was largely unresolved in the north and south, including Czechoslovakia. Well, you know, we're, we're talking a little bit of, of military tactics here, but what did it, what did it mean to uh, people on the ground? What did, what did it mean to people that were being liberated? Uh, to give you a little personal experience with this, uh, my, my wife's family uh, has a, a cottage down in this little town called Volinia. Uh, it's a very tiny little village of rolling beautiful hills in the Shumova uh, region of the south, southwest part of, Czech, of today's Czech Republic. And uh, it reminds me a little bit of West Virginia and Ohio, and it's, it's got that kind of green sort of feeling uh, down there, which is uh, it's, it's a nice place to, to recuperate from uh, you know, during the summer months uh, from Prague city life. But in 1945, it really wasn't that much different, except for the giant tanks and uh, troop convoys coming through, rattling, the, the I'm sure, the tiny little village almost to the ground. But the people were, from what my wife's family were saying, 
were just exuberant for this liberation uh, by the Americans. As a matter of fact, my wife's grandfather was a, was a young teenager at the time during the, the liberation, and he remembers the Americans being big, big strong, strapping men that gave out chocolate bars and, uh, and a pat on the back. And from that point on, he became just an American file. He, just, he loved American jazz. Uh, he had a soft spot in, in, in his heart for the Yanks. And that lasted all the way through the Cold War uh, as, as the, his family uh, were stuck in Prague behind the Iron Curtain. And, of course, um, you know, that didn't end until 1989, of course, uh, for that freedom. And so he, he was uh, really moved by this liberation, as many people were. But, Travis, you were mentioning this before as we were doing the research for this program tonight, that even though the schools didn't teach that the Americans liberated this part of Czech, Czechoslovakia, it still must have been talked about at the dinner table. Yeah, because... Yeah, I mean, so obviously there's witnesses, right? Like your your grandfather-in-law. And uh, so it's just kind of an interesting thing that obviously people knew because they saw it for themselves, but it would have been really dangerous to tell young children that because if they, you know, if they go to school and say the wrong thing, you know, or like disagree with the teacher or disagree with the textbooks, you know, you'd get blacklisted or end up on several blacklists and, and that could be a really dangerous thing, like potentially. So... It must have been kind of an interesting thing that, you know, when the children's come of age, they're like, oh, by the way, not everything you learned was really as it happened. In fact, you know, here's the, here's the chocolate wrapper or the, the Coca-Cola bottle or the pack of Marlboros or whatever to prove it, you know, that the GIs came through. And, and this part of Czechoslovakia was liberated by Americans, not Soviets, right? Yeah, so you can actually see the importance of why in 1990 that – the city of Pilsen decided it was important to have this liberation festival. To finally, re- finally recognize to, it. To yeah. finally recognize it and give it the just due that it, that it deserved. And you'll see that today, you know, when they have these celebrations, um, it is very moving. I mean, you, you go there and you see this giant obelisk in the middle of town, that, a granite obelisk that says, thank you, America, for it, with uh, the, the, the stars and stripes on one side and, and the, uh, the tricolor of the, of the Czech people, uh, the Czech flag on the other side. And it is... Um, and it's an amazing thing to see that the parade that happens that culminates at the last day on May 8th during the celebration of this entire convoy of, of, of freedom or liberation, like they like to call it. If you can imagine these old tanks and troop transports and people dressed up in American paraphernalia from World War II, uh, and you've got uh, you know Jeeps that have been taken care of that are the pride and joy of a lot of Czechs that bring them down the street. Yeah, so, so maybe maybe they're amazing. They're making up for lost time. They're making you up know? for lost they're time. They're also celebrating the fact that they can celebrate it now. There you right? go. Yeah. It's kind of like a little bit of a little taste of Fourth of July a little bit early for some American expats. Yeah, really an enjoyable experience. Some things that are also uh, of interest that uh, are a byproduct of what happened during the liberation is that our hockey team, the Pilsen hockey team, sports a giant Indian head logo on front of their hockey sweaters uh, that is, is uh, a tip of the hat to the 2nd Infantry Division that helped liberate them. Uh, so so you, you'll see that when they take the ice uh, uh, during the extra league of matches that, that happened here in the Czech Republic. Uh, Travis, final thoughts on this. To, how important do you think it is to, to, for an expat to see this type of uh, uh, showing of affection towards, towards the Americans? Well, it's nice. I mean, it's a, kind of a rare event. Isn't can, it? Yeah. yeah. That's, that's, uh, I have my, my, my grandfather passed away. I have his old World War II, uh, like, what do you call it? The, the dress uniform. Right. I have his dress uniform yeah. jacket. So, I mean, he, he fought in the Pacific. But still, I'm thinking, maybe I'll, 
I'll go there next year and, and well, you know, I've, his... I've had the opportunity to do this, Travis, and we need yeah. to do this together. We'll, we'll, yeah. we'll, we'll try we'll to do a road trip and maybe uh, you know interview some people and, and get you some some uh, some uh, personal experiences from people that that might have witnessed this at the time. But um, I think what's really important is you're going to see less and less of those American vets making the trip uh, in 2014. And if we do see any of those uh, vets coming back, it, it is a rarity. And um, I think the Czech people realize that that. Uh, the opportunity to shake their hands uh, is is going quickly, and yeah. um, it, it is important to, to at least uh, uh, make sure that people remember the sacrifice that was made. So we want to thank you so much for listening to this evening's Bohemian podcast. Please be sure to stop by the Bohemian.com for more information on what it's like to live in the Czech Republic from two expats' point of view. So for Travis Dow, I'm Pete Coleman. Good night from Prague. Yep. Thanks. You have been listening to the Bohemian podcast with Pete Coleman and Travis Dow. Visit bohemican.com for more information on this episode, other episodes, and much more information about history, traditions, and culture in the Czech Republic. Find us on iTunes, subscribe, and review, and don't forget to rate us. We would love to hear from you. Send comments, ideas, and corrections on our comments page on bohemican.com. Or get in touch via Facebook or Twitter. Tune in to our sister podcast, History of Alchemy, which is also on iTunes or on historyofalchemy.com. Until next time on the Bohemian Podcast, thank you for listening.